0: Hi, I'm Dave, Um, so I'm going to be speaking tonight, Um, exciting news from Toby, he's gone, but bye Toby. Um, So yeah, so I'm speaking to you guys tonight, so it's really good to be here, and um, yeah, so I'm the worship pastor at St. Nick's, Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm currently also sporting a great lockdown haircut, Um, I'm sure a few of us are probably doing the same thing, can't wait till the hairdressers open. I'm sure everyone's probably thinking the same thing for my hair. I'm sorry that you have to look at it. Anyway, um, so again, if you don't know us, um, so me and Flo and my wife, uh, we moved here um, two years ago from London to be a part of the St. Nick's church plant. So we moved here to be a part of this whole thing, and it's been a mad, mad journey. It's been exciting. It's been ups and downs, all the kind of things that you can imagine moving a whole life from one city to another. Um, But it's been really great. And also, I just want to say, we kind of miss you guys. We miss not seeing you every week and kind of worshipping in the ways that we used to. And I think it's probably fair to say this last year has been challenging on a number of levels for all of us. I'm sure, you know, for many people it's been maybe a year of losses, a year of great challenge and change And it's been really difficult, and uh, I've personally found it really hard as well, and I'm sure you guys have too. And yet, in all these serious highs and lows of last year, I can't help but think, and we at St. Nick's can't help but think, that God is so close, that he's so present with us, even now, in everything that's going on. And God is still moving. And if we choose to take a step towards Him, He will meet us and He will do amazing things in our lives. And He does amazing things in our lives. So we just want to encourage you that God, even when we're restricted now, is so very present with us. So if you're watching online, church online, hey to you all. Uh, If you're listening on catch up, hey to you too. And um, can I just encourage you now that? Whether you're in your home or if you're walking or whatever you're doing, God is with you now. So today we'll be continuing our beautiful resistance series. A number of people have been kind of kicking this off the last few weeks. It's a book by John Tyson and we're kind of looking at various different subjects. And today I would love to look at worship must resist idolatry. So it's a pretty big topic, um, but essentially what we're talking about is what do we truly worship, what do we truly love, what satisfies us, what drives us, what brings us comfort, what couldn't we live without, what do we worship, what do we idolise. So we're going to track some pretty meaty stuff today, um, but I trust that we can do it together. I feel like this talk is as much for me, I kind of need to hear this, um, and I really hope there'll be an encouragement to all of us too. Um, Right, got through the introduction. Here we go, should we keep going? Right, so let's crack on. So we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at the following scripture, which is Romans 1, 20, 21 and 23. And in this, Paul is addressing the church in Rome. And hopefully it will come up on the screen for you now. And it says this, For ever since the world was created... People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. So, again, as I said, we're going to be looking at worship must resist idolatry. So what are we talking about when we're talking about idols? What are we talking about when we're talking about idolatry in this context? Well, in this passage, the writer Paul states that God has revealed himself to all of mankind through creation. Not just the Jews, not just other believers, but to all of mankind, everyone, you and me included. Verse 20 says this, "...through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities." And as Paul continues, he reveals that although all of humankind, all of us, are aware of God, God's eternal power and divine nature, we have still chosen to worship other things, created things, idols. Similarly, if we flash back to the Old Testament, we see in Exodus 32, the Israelites choosing to build idols of bronze and silver to worship in place of their God. Bear in mind, this is the same group of people, the Israelites, who had seen God move in undeniably, miraculous, powerful ways, experiencing firsthand being freed as a nation of people, a whole nation of people from slavery under the rule of the Egyptians. And yet, even in this context, the Israelites, the people of God, chose to create and worship idols. They placed their love and devotion in created things above God. They sought satisfaction not in the hands of a faithful, loving God who they experienced firsthand, but in the hands of things they had made and could control. Romans 1.21 again says this, yes, they knew God, but they, could, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they chose to worship created things. This is the roots of idolatry. And today, idols might look a little bit different to us. They might not look like bronze statues, Uh, probably not. Uh, I can't imagine many of us have those in our back gardens, but they're probably something slightly more elusive. Um, I know they definitely are in my life. Something a bit more under the hood, maybe. Idols can be anything that we place our true value in above God. Whether we recognize it or not, these are the things we truly seek satisfaction and worth from. The things that maybe, just maybe, if we're really, really honest, are the things that we hold on to the most tightly and couldn't bear to let go of. Anything can be placed above God in our lives and turned into an idol. Even good things, even noble aspirations or desires can easily be misplaced and disordered. Timothy Keller, a church leader uh, from New York, says it very well like this. He says this, We think that idols are bad things, but that is almost never the case. The greater the good, the greater the good something is, the more likely we expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. Anything can serve as a counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life. An idol is anything more important to you than God. The practice of our faith can become an idol. Our families can become an idol. Our desires for a family can become an idol. Our work, success, fitness, health, our social lives, recognition from other people, serving the vulnerable, anything... Can be placed before our worship of God. Our loves and passions can so easily be disordered, and this disorder or misalignment of our true call of worship, I believe, has detrimental effects on our lives. Disordered loves lead to disordered lives. Phew, we're doing all right, doing okay. So, things to contemplate. So, as I was preparing for this talk, I was thinking about some questions that I could ask myself, and one of them was this. What truly satisfies my deepest needs and hopes? Maybe you might like to think about that for yourself. What, what truly satisfies my deepest needs and my hopes? And the second question I asked myself was, is it my relationship with God Or is it something else? You see, idols are anything in our lives, good or bad, that are more important to you than God. Idols are disordered loves in our lives. Romans 121 says again, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So I must be honest, I'm really good at disordering loves in my relationship with God. I'm very good at this. I probably should get some kind of medal if there was something for it. And I think, especially last year, how challenging and hard it was, I think I did a pretty good job of messing it all up. And I think we can all share that 2020 was super tough. And definitely, I definitely struggled with my relationship with God last year. I felt my relationship has been tested in so many ways. A kind of relationship breakdown in lockdown. Maybe some of you have experienced a similar thing with your relationship with God. And especially in times of stress or uncomfortable change, I can so easily seek comfort, satisfaction, hope in all sorts of places. Often, I often wonder why is it because those things are more in my control? Maybe they feel more tangible. Or maybe God feels really far away. Think of the Israelites I referenced earlier in the Old Testament. They had seen God move like in unremarkable ways in their life and through their people, through that nation, and yet they still reached for something else. And I too personally have done and do the same. I've seen God move powerfully in my life so many times I've experienced healing and provision that I just can't explain beyond a movement of God. When I previously spoke at St. Nick's, I talked, about, I talked about how I would personally experienced healing of deep depression and trauma overnight, through prayer, through the power of God's Holy Spirit. And yet, I still find myself reaching or placing hope, satisfaction in all the wrong places. Funnily, some of, some of those things we cling to can work for a bit. Maybe you don't even notice it. It's a new relationship, a great new job, a great success, starting a family, a fun night with friends, whatever it may be. Again, it's not to say these are bad things, but if we place them before God, we might begin to expect these things to meet a deep need within us, that they were never designed or even capable of meeting. It's an endless pursuit, and it doesn't really satisfy. Or they fail us, or they let us down. And they don't match up to your expectations. I know when I live my life like this, it doesn't work. My life becomes disordered, off kilter, a mess. Romans one, twenty three, from our scripture, says this, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. You see, our disordered loves lead to disordered lives. But God invites us into something different, a freedom, a lightness that can be experienced in whatever storm we are facing. And it starts with worship. Jesus says when questioned, what is the greatest commandment? He says this in Matthew uh, 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. Why does Jesus say this? Well, Jesus knows that when our lives are centred around a life of worshipping him, our lives fall into order. Our perspective changes. Not only does it produce life in us, but it produces life for those around us. When our lives are centred around the worship of God, everything else falls into order, proper order. Our work, our passions, our family life, our dreams, it changes how we operate within them and how we regard them. Our lives not only produce fruit, but they can also sustain the storms of this life. There will be storms. We've seen it. We've seen it last year. We've seen it before. There will be storms. And in John 15, Jesus says this, and I love this. He says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit If it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. When we truly worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, it draws us closer to God. This kind of worship reorders our disordered lives and allows God to work in us, prune us, reset us, transform us into more of who God has called us to be not a different person not somebody else you become more you than you thought you could ever be worship is this amazing reset button that takes our disordered lives and puts them back together you see true worship reorders our lives But worship isn't passive. It's a choice. It's an action. It's a choice to step closer to God. It's a choice to put other things down and allow God to examine our lives and help us. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, Search me God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me and lead me in the way Everlasting. If we allow God to examine our hearts, we will be transformed. A wholeness that nothing else comes even close to. But it takes a step, it takes an obedient heart. We have to choose to worship God. Our true worship reorders our lives. And I must admit, I started this year feeling pretty, pretty beaten. Beaten by 2020. Exhausted by circumstances. And if I'm honest, a bit lost. And discontent in my relationship with God. So I took a step. I began to pray. Really pray. Felt that I began to hear God's voice again as I prayed. The spirit of God moving in my life. Awakening things in me again in new ways. And I think things are changing. Things are changing in me. I, I can see it and I can feel it. Hopefully my, my wife, Flo, notices the difference. I'm a bit better around the house. Um, but God, yeah. And, and, and I remember as I was praying, I felt like God just reminded me of this, this story. I was actually hoovering. I've shared this the other week on, on Groups Live. But as I was hoovering, I felt like God like spoke to me. And he reminded me of this time when when we lived in London and um, it was during the World Cup and we decided to get a big TV stuck in our back garden and we lived like smack in the middle of London, like houses all around us, big like big buildings, little buildings, just like all around us. And we gathered to watch the England Games. And I remember when when England scored, we would like jump to our feet and we'd be like sort of basically like a roar of like praise and celebration for England scoring. And then I remember very vividly this, what happened and it was like you heard the whole of the city lift up this cry, this like roar of celebration for England and it, you, hear, you heard it like at this 360 degree roar of celebration all around you, coming up in all the buildings and it was just incredible. It was amazing and it, was, it really impacted me and as I was reminded of this story, as I was hoovering, I felt like God had reminded of it, I felt like he then said, this is a picture of what worship is like when we worship from our homes, even in lockdown, even in that restriction. It's a roar of praise over a city, a 360 degree cry of glory for the only one who deserves it. A countercultural cry for change, for God to move. Last year, our worship practices might have changed. We might have felt restricted, maybe in some ways in our homes. I know I've definitely felt that. But what I've realised is God is by no way restricted. And remarkably, God can use the restrictions to invite us into a greater freedom and a closer relationship if we choose it. You see, true worship not only transforms us reordering our lives to produce fruit, but it is abundantly powerful. We produce fruit, but it is also abundantly powerful. As we choose to draw close to God in worship, he draws close to us. His spirit is present with us in our worship. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I've seen it, I've, I've tasted it, I've seen it. So when we praise from the comfort of our homes, be encouraged because God is drawing near in that moment. You might feel strange or possibly even uncomfortable to start with, but can I encourage you that your sacrifice of worship will change things. So maybe try getting to your feet or maybe kneel in quiet reverence or sing at the top of your lungs from your home as an act of worship because in that moment you are saying with your body and your words, the words that you sing, that God is number one in your life and that by doing that you are welcoming the presence of God into your home. It's a step, it's a sacrifice, but God meets us in these moments And that's just the start. Our whole lives are called to be an act of worship, laying down our idols, reordering our loves through worship. We are called to be followers of Jesus, following the call of the Spirit, a kind of worship that sees our whole lives transformed, fruitful, an act of honour and service to the only one that matters. That scripture again says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Worship must resist idolatry. So should we round things up? Maybe the worship team, do you want to come? Um... Thanks so much for listening. Um, Should we stand? Uh, People in in the room, I'll stand. Hopefully we'll get my head in the shot. Um, People at home, should we stand? So can I just encourage you, even though we are in lockdown, God is still with us. He is no way restricted. He can meet us wherever we are. God is with us right now. And also, can I encourage you as we go into a time of worship, not to miss this moment and go for it. In this time, we will also be praying for one another and opening an opportunity for people to pray with you. I love receiving prayer. It's one of the most amazing things that we get to do as a community. But again, like our worship, it's something that has changed and something that is different. But be brave. If you would like some prayer this evening, don't miss this moment. If you feel that nudging, that feeling, then get some prayer. Don't hesitate. We're going to put a link in the chat in Zoom and you can connect to a Zoom call and someone will pray with you. I've got an amazing team that will pray with you. And you don't need to spill your guts. You don't need to tell them everything about who you are or whatever. Just, just turn up and allow people to pray with you. It's as simple as that. So two more things, and I promise I will stop talking. So firstly, let's take a moment right now, I include myself in this, and ask God to examine our hearts, to highlight any potentially disordered loves in our lives, idols, things ahead of our relationship with God allow the spirit to reveal them and secondly as we begin to worship and pray for one another in a moment make a choice in your heart to lay those things down those idols those disordered loves and step into worship and step into worship in a way that maybe you haven't done in months or maybe never before shall we pray and then we're going we're to worship together Holy Spirit we welcome you here we ask you to examine our hearts Reveal the good things or the bad that have taken your rightful place of worship. Forgive us as we lay them down. And right now we choose to worship you again. We choose you again. Reset and reorder our lives. Because you are worthy of all praise. And we love you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.